You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Five, six, seven, eight. Holla, boys and girls, it's the BGN. Coming from the Marvel world to the DC friends. All the way from Hollywood to the PCN. She defends everyone from sleazy men. Won't apologize for spitting Shonda Rhimes. The space that we make is never colonized. Talking games and movies that actors were. Better shake your booties for Black Girl Nerds. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host along with Ryan. In this two-part episode, we are pleased to bring to you two incredible actors. Our first guest up is actor Javicia Leslie, who is no stranger to our podcast. She is back to talk about a film that she's in called Double Life. Javicia Leslie is an actor, visionary, philanthropist, and committed to making her mark in the world. She's best known for her reign over Gotham City as Ryan Wilder in DC's Batwoman. Her casting made global history as the first bisexual black actress to play Batwoman. And since her debut in 2019, she's quickly become recognized as one of young Hollywood's most heralded stars and was featured on the Hollywood Reporter's highly coveted Next Big Thing list. And in our segment with Javicia, that is hosted by Ryan. In our second segment, we speak with actor Tunji Kasim. This year, Tunji stars in the much-anticipated Bridgerton prequel drama series entitled Queen Charlotte, A Bridgerton Story, which debuts on Netflix on May 4th. The six-episode event reveals the origins of the beloved character Queen Charlotte as she ascends the throne and changes the Bridgerton kingdom as we know it. Tunji is a scene-stealer as Adolphus, the leader of his county and the head of the family, whose two roles don't often go hand-in-hand, and he must make an impossible choice between what is best for his country and what is best for his little sister, Queen Charlotte. And that segment is hosted by me. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this two-part episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast featuring Javicia Leslie and Tunji Kasim. Thank you, Javicia. Thank you so much for talking to us. You always talk to Black Girl Nerds and I appreciate it. Of course. Of course. It's an honor. Thank you. Um, so let's talk about thrillers, right? Do you have a favorite thriller? Like, did you kind of do your homework before getting into like Josephine or Joe? I don't think I have like a favorite. I have a lot of thrillers that I love. Like, I like 90s thrillers. So like Black back in the day. Remember The Net? Like, that was a good one. Anything where it's like a whodunit and it's a female leading the project. Like, I'm here for it. <laughs> and you know, for a whodunit now, we got to talk about like Joe was a bartender. You all, you also were a bartender in, in a Batwoman. And I feel like a whodunit when we on the edge of our seats like this, you need a good drink, right? Do you have like a signature cocktail that you can make by now? Because they've yeah. had you doing this so many times. Well, I used to bartend, but yes, I have plenty of signature Oh, okay. I would say like my favorite two things to drink when I'm watching a movie is either red wine or um, an old fashioned. 
Oh, so yeah, you need both of those for this for this film. You like on the edge of your seat on this, so it's crazy. I definitely think this is an old-fashioned film, like a nice whiskey drink. <laughs> yeah, because it's what was so cool about this, and I think what makes me a fan of a lot of the roles that you play is the women can sometimes come off as victim or just in general in life, right? Where you think they don't have enough tools in the arsenal to come at you. But most of the, but the, a lot of the women that you play, like Joe, she went right into action. Was that right. something that drew you into this role where you can't really, you can't really pinpoint who she yeah. is exactly? I don't think I'm a woe is me type of person. And I'm happy that I didn't have to play into that world of, oh, you know what I mean? You know, like, I think mm -hmm. that she, you know, I'm a, I'm a protector in this role. Like I, I, no matter who it is, I protect the people that I love and that I care about. And immediately when things are you know when the shit hits the fan I'm out there protecting the way I'm supposed to be protecting the way I know to protect and the role too for these two women Sharon and Joe I like how they have this they keep wanting to say they're not friends but they have this underlying connection where it's like I want to kill you but you kind of helping me out oh what right like back and forth that they have and I think it's really cool yeah, what what do you kind of hope? Like, I guess women in that sense, because when you're not to give to away too much about what the plot, but you know, being called double life, the fact that usually it's like, okay, you don't go after the partner, whatever it's the person that you think is causing the trouble, right? You need to go after who you're with. But this yeah. one is a whole different twist on that altogether. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that you know it becomes like this unlikely friendship that kind of comes and kind of goes and kind of comes and kind of goes, and it's like. How do you really navigate that type of situation where you you know your husband or your partner was murdered? Mm -hmm. you have more information than the police. And unfortunately, so does his mistress. You know, and that's kind of the journey that they go on. They gotta figure out who did it. But this is a very tricky situation. Can we just talk about because when I was little, I took karate and it was just like whatever you can find around you is how you defend yourself, right? As a woman, because people don't think you're gonna come at it at this angle. And this type of the kind of skills you're using, kind of weapons you were you were picking up in this was like it wasn't like you're necessarily trained in it. But I'm kind of curious, did you have any like, you know what I mean? Because it was like she picked up the gun, which, first of all, I thought well, that was like badass. I was like, who is doing this? She was basically like, I want to keep shooting until I hit something. Yeah, and it's yeah. like just being brave to pick it up. Did you have to train for that at all? Or were you like, are you really stepping into Josephine? It's like, I'm just going to do what I have to do at this moment. When you, I, when you I myself, um, oh, okay, not shoot guns, but um, I think that she's also she also had an ex boyfriend that taught her how to do a lot of the things that she does. But I think also there's like you know you have a fight or flight in in, in life. Like are you gonna mm -hmm. fight? Excuse me, fight or flight? Are you gonna fight or are you gonna run away? And weirdly, although they're the both they're both very opposite, they're both fighters in their own way. You know, and I love that about them. It's just. Joe's more hands-on <laughs> yeah she definitely she busts out a gate where she surprises people where it's like girl you just don't do that but I like that she did it anyway <laughs> it's like the it's just the fun part of it um what do you think she's driven by anger or love or a combination love I don't think it's anger in her at all I think it's love I think mm. she's in love with him and I think that she's low-key kind of falling in love with Sharon you know as friends and mm -hmm. I so knowing that Mark loves Sharon, she wants to protect Sharon. How do 
did you, speaking of sharing for Pascal Hudson, how did you build up that chemistry that you guys have? Because it was, both of y'all just ooze like badass women, but you weren't trying to do it. And I, which I love that. It was immediate. She's a badass woman in general. Like we, our connection was just so natural and so immediate and it made the, it made the journey and it made the show, excuse me, the movie, just so much fun to be a part of because she was really that great to work with. Do you want, do you see yourself doing more thrillers? Yeah, I want to do everything. Oh, yeah, I like that. Because I, I feel like we've already seen your romance. We've seen you in action. So you got to get a movie, just put it all together. <laughs> I got to ask you, though, before we head out, I hope in this, like, you can't believe everything you read, though, but I'm hoping that you're really going to be an all-star judge of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yeah, I today, yes. Oh man, that's gonna be cool. So what's the what's like what's your criteria? Like how are you as a judge? Have you figured that out yet? I'm very, I'm very nice. I I can't be like I, I don't have it in me. It's just not who I am. And I got to go, I it's I, I got to talk to them. Like it it was such a beautiful experience. It was so much fun. Um and oh it was so great. It was like it was really a memorable day. They didn't let me talk about it for so long. We shot this a long time ago. So it's like really cool that now everything's coming out and I get to talk about it mm -hmm. well that's gonna be cool I feel like I feel like I kind of knew the answer that you wouldn't be that tough a judge but then I didn't know I like I see the bat one poster behind you so I had to kind of you know wait you, you said that that I wouldn't be a judge or that I would you wouldn't be as I didn't think you would be as harsh on them I feel like you kind of give like you I feel like the, your characters kind of sit back and wait for it to happen to see what's going down so I feel like you wouldn't come at them too straight yeah, <laughs> by the way love the bat woman poster in the background by the way I gotta say it for weird. <laughs> my mom put that up <laughs> that is so great thank you so much for talking to me I appreciate it every time we just gotta get you let me zoom in I'm not really zooming in we gotta get you a um a bad woman oh yeah you noticed that right see what had happened is it's on the Amazon order list mm -hmm. mm. better get that thing I know I know I'm slacking I'm gonna get it together though I'm gonna get it together next time we talk I have it together Okay. <laughs> it was nice talking to you. You too. Bye. Bye. Well, it's fabulous to meet you, Tunji. I saw this show and I actually watched it with my mom. And oh, nice. we we loved it. We binged it all in one sitting. It's wow. it's it's one of those kinds of shows where it's so easily digestible and um, it's so compelling from one episode to the next. Mm -hmm. And you open up in, in episode one, which is really cool to see your exchange with Queen Charlotte. So first of all, my first question to you is, uh, what, what brought you to this, this series? What brought you to the show and um, how did you get involved? Uh, that scene, actually, that first scene. Uh, I think it's just a fantastically, fantastically written scene. Uh, it came across, it came my way um, and I gave it a read and immediately just reading that scene, I was like, yeah, this is great. This is absolutely fantastic. Um, and that, yeah, it, it's, it's, you know, and I think we kind of carry this throughout the whole, the whole series. And I suppose Shonda does this. She writes like proper long scenes and not just snippy little things. They're like proper exchanges between characters. Um, and it's fantastic, fantastic writing. So it was an absolute pleasure to get to do that. An absolute pleasure to get to do that with India um, in particular. She's just a fantastic soul. Um, and yeah, I suppose that was my my gateway into this uh, this series. And it had me hooked. Um, 
and Adolphus, you know, I immediately connected with Adolphus in the sense that he has, he has, he's torn. He's a, he's a guy who's kind of torn between his, his love for his family and in particular his sister, but also his love and his duty and responsibility as a leader of his country. And, you know, all that comes with. So that, that push and pull was immediately attractive to me to kind of explore and get into. Um, and yeah, sure enough, when we started filming, uh, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead too much now, but when we started filming, the cast, the crew, the director, uh, the whole production team, you know, Netflix, Shonda, the whole, the whole lot, they were just fantastic to work with. I mean, you, you could tell that you guys were having a lot of fun and mm. that exchange at the very beginning is really what drew me in. As a matter of fact, when they screened this for the press, they showed that as the sizzle reel for us oh, really? <laughs> to kind of whet our appetites. Um, but Adolphus is a very interesting and very compelling character because I feel like he's a bit of a political player in this story mm. and mm. he's kind of going back before and forth between you know his loyalty to his sister but also kind of a loyalty to the realm so what do you sure. think his ultimate intentions are in this story hmm that would be telling uh, <laughs> I, I think i think the, the i think there's there's a lot of things with with modern sensibility uh 2023 sensibility um and comparing that to the sensibilities back then Obviously, it's easy to judge Adolphus in many ways, I think, because he definitely, you know, he essentially, he essentially sets up an arranged marriage, right? Right. With his sister. Um, and he does it much more nicely than that sounds. But um, <laughs> essentially, that's, that's what it is. But um, it's for very, very good reason. Um, and, and the best, my, I always try to empathize with whatever character I play, even, even if they have, you know, opposing, um, sensibilities that I do in reality, but he was a man of his time was, was the best way to, I, I kind of approached it and try not to judge him based around that. Um, these were decisions and choices he was kind of forced to make, whether he wanted to make them or not, um, he had to make them. And and I think as as he says in the opening scene, when you know the most powerful empire uh, in the world comes to tell you to do something, you kind of have to do it, <laughs> <laughs> unless unless you're asking for trouble, you know. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I think what his true intentions are, I think his true intentions are to just do the best he can with the situation he is in. Um, does that mean he does things that you know? He has he has power over other people's lives, and do those people that he has power over always agree with his decisions? No, but I think his intentions are always pure and 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 very well intended, and he has he has the responsibility of leadership on his shoulders, and he has to make the choices he has to make to kind of make that work for the best for him and the best way he can. And I I like that you say that his intentions are pure and well intended because there's even a scene where you know even though he does have like he sets up this arranged marriage with queen charlotte and you kind of feel like okay why is he marrying off his sister and mm -hmm. and you feel like there might be some sort of detachment there there's a moment where um she may be kind of without spoiling i have to be very mm -hmm. careful with my phrasing mm -hmm. here mm -hmm. but she may feel kind of threatened and he's like well i'm i'm willing to protect you is is this person a threat to you so yeah. i mean yeah. Tell me more about that. Like, what do you think 
ultimately like his relationship with Charlotte is outside of the whole royal, you know, sort of situation that we see in this narrative. Where, where do you think that subtext lies with his connection with Charlotte? I think there's a deep connection there. I think there's just a love there. I think both a sibling, a sibling love, but also a, a almost parental love. Because I think, you know, historically their mother and father died relatively early in their lives and he, he came to be the head of the family relatively early in his life. And so had to take on that parental role um, for Charlotte and his other siblings, but as well as, you know, for his whole country, um, his whole province. Um, so I think, but I think ultimately the relationship between them is one of very, very deep love. And ultimately, if push came to shove, you know, Adolphus would do what Adolphus has got to do. (laughs) (laughs) But, but that's, I feel like that's his, you know, you have to, you have to really shove to get Adolphus to that point, because I think ultimately he's a, he's a diplomat and he knows that game and is aware that that's, this is the way the world works. And this is what we have to do. Um, And we have a duty, not just, not just to, um, each other, but we have a duty to our country. And I think it's easy, it's easy to, of course, look at royals and see the pomp and the, the wealth and the good life that they lead. But, you know, it, I suppose people would say if you're doing the, that thing, the royal thing right, then you are sacrificing a lot of your own personal wants and needs um, in, in service to your country and to your people. And I think that's very much the position Adolphus is in, and that's very much how he sees things um, when it comes to his relationship with Charlotte or with anyone else. But underneath all that, as I say, is very much a deep-seated love for his sister. And if he felt his sister was being abused or taken advantage of or in a position where she can't deal with it, then he would definitely step in. And I think that's that's a big thing between Adolphus and Charlotte. I think Adolphus has faith faith in Charlotte, that ultimately she can deal with it. She is strong and she's able to do this. And I think if he felt she wasn't, he would not do what he does. Absolutely. Completely agree. You know, Shonda Rhimes has this thing with her shows where there's like a cadence and there's a beat with the Mm -hmm. actors when it comes to the dialogue. And Mm -hmm. I noticed that cadence and that beat between you and India in the carriage ride. So Mm -hmm. was is that something that um, Shonda coached you through with sort of that... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that beat for beat with the dialogue. Do you know what I mean? It's sort of mm-hmm. like a cadence that is very signature Shonda Rhimes that I've seen in all of her shows. Sure. I mean, there is a there is definitely a, a particularness about the script. Um, and and I suppose I, I never really experienced that directly. And there was some of it, but not in a overwhelming way by any means. Mm-hmm. I think there's such great writing going on that that guides you. Mm. Um, and I don't, I don't know whether it's because maybe I've done a bunch of theater that I, I naturally pick up on a writer's flow or style. Um, because obviously in theater, it's, it's, that's very much the forefront of what you're making. The poetry of the writer is very important. Um, but for me, just, just reading the scene and reading coming off the page, it was there. And then, and then getting into the room with India, and similarly, she was on it. Um, and so we just rode that, that train together and kind of brought our own flavor to it. There was some stuff going in, predominantly, really, to be honest, it was accent stuff. 
Um, because I'm not, you know, that we do we do receive pronunciation, which is RP, we, we call it, which is essentially how, you know, upper class people in England talk, uh, the Queen and the like. Uh, that's the accent we're doing. Um, and that's not my native accent. Um, and so there was a lot of kind of, um, oh, you pronounce it this way or do that. We had a, we had a dialect coach on, on set who was absolutely brilliant. Um, and it was a lot of that more than the flow of the script necessarily. Because I think that is just naturally there, and as long as you follow what's on the page, you're you're doing Shonda's work. You know, her work kind of shows through you. Yeah, I I noticed that. I was like, your accent is a little different <laughs> than the accent on the show. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. so yeah. So I mean, were you familiar at all with the Bridgerton universe before stepping into this series? I mean, who's not familiar with Bridgerton, right? Um, <laughs> I, 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 to be honest, I hadn't, I hadn't actually watched Bridgerton um, before. I was fully aware of it, of course, because you know it's just a social phenomenon that it was. Yeah. Um, but I hadn't actually watched an episode. Um, and when when this job kind of came my way, I purposely continued not to watch any episodes uh, because I just find joining an established um, franchise and established series and established whatever. Um, I often like to be, uh, you know, a healthy, there's a healthy level of ignorance that I appreciate going into something like this because I feel like I don't want to be swayed or biased by the way they've done things before. And I want to come to it with my own energy, with my own take, with my own, my own thing, you know? Um, so, when I got this job, and also for me personally, you know, people like India, who is playing an established character within the Bridgerton world already, um, it's maybe more useful for her to make sure that she watches, you know, the Bridgerton episodes to to do a character study, if you want to call it that, on what Golda does with with Charlotte and make sure they're kind of matching up in some way. But for Adolphus, he was, you know, a brand new character and he wasn't established. And so I didn't feel the need to, to go back and kind of do my homework on that side of things. Um, and I just kind of showed up on set and worked with the people that were there in front of me. And as I say, Shonda's writing was so fantastic and so brilliant that it just kind of flowed from there. Um, so no, I, I knew of Bridgerton and the world, but I didn't know, I didn't know it specifically. That's so interesting that you say you intentionally decided not to watch the show to come in with fresh eyes. I, I actually mm. love that. Um, did that pay off for you as an actor? Did you find that that helped you really, uh, sort of get into the skin of this character as you were playing him definitely and the world you know the world is so um the costume and the pomp and all that kind of so the costumes are banging in this show they are absolutely fantastic <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i think it did because also i suppose yeah i feel like you can get caught in a trap i suppose because it is it's if you stop to think and if you have a third person eye for me this is me talking many people at many actors and many people are different but if i have a third person eye of what the whole the bigger picture of what i'm doing is that can become intimidating that can become um you know it can become just a bit too much it can become intense it can become overwhelming um so actually keeping it as simple as what I have in front of the page and the people I'm working with day to day, that very much simplified it for me and that allowed me to kind of do do what I do and not feel, I, I, I didn't, even though it is Bridgerton, 
I'll be honest, I, I really, I really did not feel that day to day, that, that sense of, what's the right word for it? Not scale, because there is definitely scale to it. As you say, the costumes are so like on point and the carriages and the places we were filming were so magical and fantastic. But just, just overwhelm is the best word for it. I just didn't feel overwhelmed by, by what I was in. And it felt very organic and I felt very kind of, it was our thing that we were doing. And it wasn't necessarily beholden to this already established Bridgerton world. That's, I suppose that's a, that's for other people to worry about. That's for the director to worry about and, you know, the producers or whatever. But for me, I just have to worry about Adolphus. And he was, as I say, fresh and brand new to the Bridgerton universe. I'd love to get your opinion on this. Uh, I mean, obviously the Bridgerton universe is inspired by reimagined events. Um, Queen mm. Charlotte is a real person, um, but you know, it's a reimagined story, but then we're, we've got real stories coming out like this weekend, Chevalier is coming out. What do you think uh, Bridgerton, like the impact of this series and this show is having on Hollywood and just more of these stories of, you know, medieval figures mm. and, mm. and people of color during, mm. you know, time periods. What do you think that this show's had that kind of impact on? I think hopefully it's opened a lot of doors for um, uh, a lot of actors where doors were closed previously. I think, I think in the West, definitely within the UK, and I suppose America definitely enjoys, enjoys this kind of period drama that the UK does particularly so well. Um, I suppose. Um, and if we are going to keep telling those stories, which it appears that's what we're going to do, because, you know, period drama after period drama after period drama comes out, then I suppose it's got to roll with the times. And we've got to, we've got to stop excluding people from those stories. Um, I, I hope that, I think those stories are being told now, but I hope we get to a place where, um, stories about ethnic minorities back then do get told more frequently and they're not solely based around the victimization of that minority nice. because i feel like that's what you get right if you're doing a period drama with some black or brown people then it's going to be about just slavery and that's the focus of it and that's going to be the be all and the end all of it and of course those stories need to be told definitely and they can be told absolutely brilliantly and very effectively but at the same time i think what bridgerton what bridgerton does is of course in well what queen charlotte does I'll, I'll speak for queen charlotte specifically and not bridgerton i think what queen charlotte does right from the top our opening scene we're having conversations about that that is that that's in the air the fact that we are there is a white uh, uh, majority that has power over a non-white minority within the West. And that, that is immediately, not front and center, but it's, it's definitely in the air immediately between these two, this brother and this sister going into this kind of uh, uh, dangerous terrain, shall we say. Um, but it is not, and as you watch the whole series, it is not the be all and end all of Charlotte, and it is not the be all and end all of Adolphus. That is part of their lives. And I think for me, the parts, the characters I play, that's quite important to me, that we're not just portraying, when it comes to, to ethnicity, we're not just portraying characters through their victimization, through their oppression of a system. They have to be portrayed as fully 
rounded 360 human beings who of course that is a very important part of their life in in western society but this is not all of their life and they have feelings outside of that and they have emotions outside of that and they have drives and wants and needs outside of just their ethnicity and how the society views them because of their ethnicity so i think going back around sorry i went on a bit we have a rant there um, i don't know i think Bridgerton hopefully gets us to a place where, yeah, just doors are open and we're not solely judging people based around the color of their skin. And we're interested in a lot more than that. And I think Bridgerton or Queen Charlotte, sorry, specifically, um, does do that. I think we are not, we're not pretending like it's not the elephant in the room. We're not pretending like it doesn't exist. But at the same time, we're definitely not staking the whole character uh, dimensions on their ethnicity. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Queen Charlotte did that brilliantly. And I mean, there's so many other issues that Queen Charlotte tackles. Um, and I, I love, I can't wait to see what people, when people see it, uh, the conversations that will circulate online around like mental health and all of mm. that. Um, <laughs> What what did you enjoy most about playing Adolphus while filming Queen Charlotte? Uh, the first thing that came to my head was just acting with India. I, I have to say she is she's brilliant and she's absolutely fantastic in this. Um, and, you know, it was a really yeah, I think we had we had a really good relationship. On set right from the start, excuse me. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that just developed as we went through the episodes, as we continued filming. Um, that just got stronger and stronger. So I really, I really enjoyed working with with India, as well as Corey and, and Sam and our director, Tom, you know, this fantastic people. So I enjoyed going to work every day, uh, <laughs> which is not always, you know, you know, a, a given. Um, so I really enjoyed that. And, and Adolphus, I, I enjoyed uh, the diplomatic side of things. I enjoyed, as I said at the start, I enjoyed that struggle in him between what he wants to do and what he needs to do. Um, and that was that was very fun to to do, and I, I enjoyed Shonda's writing, working on that. I enjoyed working with Arsema as well. Um, kind of later in the series, there's stuff between between us. Um, so yeah, I I I really yeah. The, the, I think the diplomatic stuff, the political stuff, was definitely the most interesting to me. Um, anytime you anytime you view historical events from a more personal perspective, I really enjoy that. Um, so that was fun for me. Are you on social media at all? Are you <laughs> are you prepared for the fandom that is going to go wild after this series? Because Bridgerton has such a loyal fan mm. base. And mm. I know that Queen Charlotte, it's probably going to be amplified <laughs> times 10. Um, right. So are you prepared for what's going to come out of the fan base when this thing blows up on social media? Uh, no, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> no, no, I have no idea. And I've, I've been, I've been fairly, uh, as I said, while I was filming, I didn't surround, I didn't concern my thoughts with any of that stuff. The, the, the scale of the whole thing. I tried to just be in the moment where I was, what I was doing. And after that as well, I have to say, I haven't really gone into kind of indulging and thinking about it too much, which is probably, I'm probably going to regret that, that I'm not preparing myself in some way, shape or form. But no, I, I, it's, yeah, it's just, it, it feels like, obviously now it's coming out, it goes through a period of production that I'm not involved in. There's a gap between you filming 
doing it and it coming out. So it's a very exciting time now to, to you know, be talking to you about it and hearing people's, you know, reactions to it. And people seem to be responding quite positively. So that's a great, fantastic thing. Um, but no, I'm not on social media. Um, <laughs> that might be um, for the best. <laughs> so maybe that'll protect me from a lot of it. Um, good and bad, I suppose. Um, but um, no, no, yeah, I, I, I really hope the Bridgerton, you know, the established fan base uh obviously they have they have high standards and they have high expectations so i really hope they get behind it and they love it um as much as we love making it um so yeah that that's all i can hope for i suppose as to as to what happens in my day-to-day life how that changes i don't know i have no idea but we'll see we'll see we'll ride the ride whatever it is uh, hopefully it's all love coming my way uh, and not much else and as long as it's that then i'm good well, that's what I loved about Adolphus. You know, he was a character where at first I'm like, okay, wh- where is he coming from? Is mm. does he have good intentions? You kind of thought it was a bit of a, you thought it was a bit of a, a bit of a, a bit of a dick to begin with. <laughs> you, know, I, you know, a little bit, just you know, because of the whole marrying off thing. But then sure. I realized, you know, and we see this throughout the episodes what his intentions are and that you know mm. he ultimately at the end of the day he does love his sister and he's willing to protect his sister and we do see mm-hmm. those moments so mm-hmm. he he's a good guy and um quick story uh i long time ago uh i interviewed ray jean page when he was in the mm. roots miniseries mm. nobody knew who he was mm-hmm. <laughs> and then bridgerton happened uh, and can't even touch him with a 10-foot pole now so it's right? like yeah. I feel like this whole thing could easily change like the trajectory of your career. So, you know, don't forget us when you get really, really famous. I'm just oh, letting Jenny, you know. You'll be, I'll be coming to you first for all my interviews. <laughs> well, what's next for you, Tunji, uh, after this? I mean, obviously you've got a huge press tour coming up uh, upon the eve of this release, but what's next for you after Queen Charlotte? This so yeah, this is kind of taking up my immediate attention right now. Um, we're going off to LA for this kind of we've got a bit of a red carpet. Well, actually, here in the UK, we've got one tomorrow. We've got a wee bit of a kind of a relaxed red carpet event kind of going on here, and then we've also in LA next next Wednesday, the twenty sixth, I believe. Uh, we're in LA and we're doing we're doing a big open premiere there as well. So that'll be a lot of fun. Um, I've I've kind of because I went from. I just finished a series called Nancy Drew, and we we did four seasons of that, and we we finished filming our last our last season, um, kind uh, towards the end of last year, start of this year, um, and I kind of was in a back to back to back to back job situation where I was going from one to the other, and I suppose I needed some personal time just to sort out some some things. So I've actually taken a break for the last kind of this this is the first work I'm doing for a wee bit I suppose since the start of the year kind of getting into promotion for this and uh, promoting this um so I'm really looking forward to getting back to work what that is yet I'm not 100% sure there's a there's maybe a thing floating that might be a reality but I, I that's not a reality yet so I would not want to say um so we'll see but just now it's kind of getting back to this this world of, of queen charlotte and promoting this and making sure you know people people get to see it and uh banging the drum for it as much as possible and getting bums on seats to watch it well i don't think you'll have a problem getting uh bums on seats to watch it there's already <laughs> a rabid fan base behind it and uh just be prepared to get lots of phone calls emails of folks reaching out to you after this is released because 
you're probably going to be getting a lot of work after this. Just saying. Oh, I hope so. As long as, as I say, as long as it's all love, then then please come my way. I'm, I'm very happy for it. Well, Tunji, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Black Girl Nerds. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. I wish you all the best in your career. I really loved your performance as Adolphus. This is such a great show. Like I said, I binged it like in one sitting. I just mm. absolutely adored it and loved it. And um, I'm pretty, pretty strict when it comes to my television. So I feel mm. like if I liked it, a lot of other people will like it as well. Oh, great. So. Great. Fantastic. I'm glad you did. I'm very glad you did. <laughs> Thank you so much. You have a great one. Lovely talking to you. Take care. Bye. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Brodnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify. Spotify.